I have a question. Are you mowing in the dark? Welcome back to the Mowing in the Dark podcast. I am your host, Aaron Sutter. Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Friday episode. I have to apologize, guys. I have been extremely busy in my lawn care business, and I have not been able to record a podcast basically in the last two weeks. And it has been a frustration of mine. I've got a lot of podcast ideas. I just haven't had time to sit down and actually record them. Uh, I have been going, you know, 12, 13 hours a day in my lawn care business, and there's just not enough time in the day to sit down and record a podcast, nor have I had the energy to do so. So it's been frustrating, but I did find some time this morning to get down here in the studio and record a Faith Friday episode. Fridays are a little bit lighter day for me. Uh, Today's going to be a little bit different though because we got rain coming in this afternoon so I have to hustle and get things done. So luckily today's Faith Friday episode is going to be pretty short. Um, We're finishing up the book of Galatians and we're going to be jumping into chapter 6. So Without too much further ado, let me play the show sponsor, and then we will jump right into Galatians chapter 6. As a lawn care provider, do you want to make a year-round income? Are you worried at the end of the lawn care season because you don't know how you're going to make it through the winter? Then you need to check out the 12-month contract from the Mowing in the Dark podcast. This is the same contract that Aaron uses to grow his lawn care business. This 100% editable 12-month contract template is available for only $5.99. The contract has rock-solid terms and conditions, so you are protected from all kinds of liability in lawn maintenance and snow removal. Get your 12-month contract at mowinginthedarkpodcast.com today. All right, guys, so how we do this here on Faith Friday is I take a chapter of the Bible, of a specific book of the Bible, so we've been going through Galatians, we go through the entire book, all right, we just do one chapter at a time. The way I do it is I read through the entire chapter, then we go back to verse one, and we start from the beginning, and we kind of break it down a little bit as we go. I am not a Bible scholar, I didn't go to Bible school. I don't have any biblical training. I just love the word of God and I like sharing it with you. And I think that incorporating faith into our business life, into our regular life is super important. I think it's one of the biggest things and one of the most overlooked aspects of running a successful life and a successful business. If you don't have your faith in check everything else is going to run a little bit rougher. And I really believe that having faith, especially in Jesus Christ, is is the way to go. That is going to be your biggest asset for success. All right. So that's why I incorporate these Faith Friday episodes 
on a lawn care business podcast because I think it is very important to running a really successful life. All right, let's jump into Galatians chapter 6. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself, without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to peace the one who sows to please his sinful nature from that sinful nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which The world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. Finally, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. And that ends the book of Galatians and Galatians chapter 6. Let's go back to the beginning now. And we'll go into, if, if this is your first time tuning in, I will give you a little background on who's writing this and, and all that stuff. But we're going to go into that a little bit later. Um, well... I'll just say it now because I'm going into it now. Um, the The book of Galatians is written by Paul. He's in prison um, and he is, you'll see later on, as we just read, he's having trouble with his eyes and you'll, I'll kind of try to explain that a little bit. All right. So verse one, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself or you also may be tempted. So in the church, this is not, this is not in the world. All right. So if, if this is not pertaining to one of your friends who is a Christian, a believer, a professing believer, or if this is not someone that's at your church, who is a professing believer, 
you can't do this verse. They have to be a professing believer. This is called spiritual discipline, all right? And so when you find when you find out that someone is in a sin or if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. All right, there's a whole list of there's a whole thing that you need to do in spiritual discipline as a church, not as just a friend. I mean, you can do this as a friend because if you're if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're part of the church, and if you're that person's friend, you have an obligation as a Christ follower, if no one has already done it, to go to that person and say, "Hey man, I know you've been doing this. This goes against the word of God. You know this. You, you're not blind to this. You know. All right? You know that this is a sin. So you're, you are to go to that person in private, not, not in public. You don't do this in public. You go to them in private, and you confront them, and you say, Hey, come on, man. You know you're not supposed to do this. What can I do to help you? What, How can we fix this? And if they won't listen to you, this is found in another place in the Bible. I believe it's in Timothy, but don't quote me on that. Um, in fact, let me look at my cross-references. It might say here, uh, verse 1, let's see, 6, 1. It could be in 1 Corinthians as well. Um, I just don't know for sure. I'm sorry about that, guys. I just didn't look it up. I, I haven't had time. But um, the whole list of spiritual spiritual discipline or church discipline, you go to that person in private. If they don't listen to you and if they don't repent, if they don't say, uh, you know what, you're right. I'm so sorry. I, I've just been in this sin and I can't, I can't seem to find my way out. And if they don't show real true sorrow for this sin, then you need to go tell another Christian brother who you trust, who knows this other person, and especially if they're in your church and you're in the same church, this is a little bit easier, or get one of your friends who is a believer. If If you guys don't go to the same church, but you have friends and you're all believers, you can do this as well. Get a friend, share with them privately what is going on with this other person. Say, you know what, this is between you and I and this other person. This is this is biblical, okay? You're not spreading this sin. You're not spreading the fact that this guy is all, you're not spreading the fact that this guy is sinning all over your church or all over town amongst your whole entire friend group. No, you do this in private, all right? And you, you go to your, your trusted friend and you say, hey, so-and-so is, they're living in this sin, man. And I'm so worried about them. I went to them already. He didn't, this person didn't repent. Um, he's, he's being prideful about it. He's, he's living in it. He's wallowing in it. Um, he's enjoying this sin. Would you come with me to talk to him again? Because the Bible says, go to someone who's been caught in a sin in private first if he doesn't repent, get another brother, go back, confront him again. If he still does not repent, then you bring it before the church. 
What does before the church mean? That means before the assembly, like the church gathering. Like this is serious stuff. Like if the church actually followed this, there would be a lot less sin in going on in the church. Nobody wants to be dragged in front of the church and have their sin exposed, right? Nobody wants that. So if you knew that your church was going to do church discipline, like actual church, biblical church discipline, but this is what the Bible says to do. And so you've tried to do it in private by yourself. You've tried to do it in private with another brother. And if they still don't repent, you bring them in front of the assembly and you confront them. And if they still don't repent, then you cast them out of the assembly and you treat them as if they are not saved. That's serious. That's a serious thing. And I never want to see anything come to to that, ever, because it's harsh. But the Bible says, and I believe it's Paul that says, in the hopes, you kick them out of the church in the hopes that they will return to Jesus Christ. And here it says, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. Okay, but that's after all the church discipline steps. That's what I see this as. Now, it doesn't say that here, but I believe that's what Paul means. So after you've done all this stuff, even after you kick this person out of the church, if that person comes back to you and says, man, I was wrong. I was living in sin. I realize it now. I'm so sorry. I, you know, I've asked God to forgive me and I'm here to ask you to forgive me. And they say, you know, I want to ask the church to forgive me. Restore them gently. Not like bro, I'm sorry, man. You're once you're out, you're out. No, restore them gently. All right. Verse two. And this, this, the first part of chapter six here kind of feels like the book of Proverbs when you read it, like it's just little quips, just little quips, just little, just little, uh, article clippings, you know, little sayings, but, but they're impactful. All right. Verse two, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. This verse kind of hangs on the first verse. How do you know if someone is caught in a sin? How do you know? Sin can be very private. You got to carry each other's burdens. You've got to be in it. You've got to be in the thick of it. Church is messy. A lot of people look at the church, and especially if they're not a Christian, and they look, look at those Christians. They're so messed up. We are. Christians are really messed up. But we know we're messed up. That's why we go to church. We know we can't do this on our own. We know it. The world is messed up too everyone's messed up. The only difference is that we know we're messed up. And so it says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. That goes back to verse one. If you don't know the person's burdens, you can't restore them gently. 
if the burden is a sin, maybe they just have a burden of someone passing, like someone dying from their family, a very loved person in their life dies. You can carry that burden with them, with prayer. Verse 3, if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Sometimes we can see this in the business world, right? You know, you got guys walking around, man, I'm big stuff. I've, I've got this big business. I've got everything going on. And then you see on Facebook or on Instagram, I'm selling my business. I'm getting out of the business. Things didn't go the way I thought they would. I've seen this quite often, actually, at the like the Equip Expo or GIE Expo. Somebody will come in. They've been on social media. They're you know they're high and mighty or whatever. They walk around like they're big stuff, and they come to find out their business has been doing really poorly. And you don't know, but. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. These people are deceived. And it's the same thing with Jesus Christ. If we think we're all high and mighty, we're really nothing. We got to be humble. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. He's talking about humility here. Don't think higher of yourself than you ought. Verse 4. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself. Without comparing... Without comparing... Himself to somebody else. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to someone else. Take pride in yourself without comparing yourself to anyone else. It's pretty tough to do. It's really tough to do. Because that's how that's our world today. That's why we're on Instagram. We compare ourselves to other people. That's why we're on Facebook. I bet I'm better than they are. We don't, we don't intentionally think that way, but that's the human condition. We we all think we're bigger than we really are. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. Stop comparing yourself. All right? You're, you're really not that big of a deal. Okay? Verse 5. For each one should carry his own load. Everyone's got to carry their own stuff. Verse 6. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. All right, so this is basically talking more about the church, I believe here anyway. It could be, you know, just like a school teacher or whatever, but I think this is mostly for the church today. Anyone who receives instruction in the word, okay, so it is, sorry, it is the word, it's the word of God, must share all good things with his instructor. That means money. That means if you've learned something, share that with him. If if you have food, share that with them. You got to share your stuff because someone is teaching you the word and maybe they've dedicated their life to that. There's not a whole lot of money in being a pastor. I mean, let's say like, 
80 to 90 percent of the churches in America are less than 100 people. All right, that's I don't know if that's the actual statistic, but it's pretty high. The percentage of churches that are less than 100 people, <clears throat> that church has a pastor. And a lot of those pastors are bivocational. That means they work a full-time job or a part-time job, and they're a pastor. So when they take their time to teach you the word, you should be sharing good things with them. You should be sharing money with them. You should be sharing food with them. You should be sharing your vehicles with them, things like that, because they put, they put their all into this. My father was a pastor for a long time and he was bivocational. He worked a full-time job and was a pastor full-time. It was crazy. And so as believers, we need to be sharing with the people that are teaching us in the word. It doesn't have to be a pastor. It could be someone else that's taking the time to teach you the word. But by and large, it's going to be a pastor. Share your stuff. Verse 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. All right, let's just stop right there. A man reaps what he sows. God cannot be mocked. If you're going to sow sin, you're going to get you're going to get really terrible results from that. All right? If you're going to live in the world, you're going to get worldly results from that. Verse 8. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The sinful nature breeds destruction. When we sin, we breed destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, which I believe means the Holy Spirit, when uh, from that, uh, the one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So if you're, if you're sowing sin everywhere, if you're living in sin, you're going to reap destruction that's going to destroy your life eventually. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next year, but it will destroy your life. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. From the Holy Spirit, to please the Holy Spirit, you're going to reap eternal life because that brings life. That's why serving people feels so good. Because you're, you're pleasing the Spirit and not the flesh. Verse 9. Let us not become weary of doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we continue to do good, we might not see good results from that for a while. But as we continue to do good, we will eventually see, we will reap a harvest. We will collect on those good things. That's what he's saying here. I mean, this is so simple. It's just, you just have to read it, essentially. It's so simple, but yet so profound. Verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. We got to do good to each other, guys. If we're believers, let's share things. Let's let's 
give each other encouragement. Let's, let's be good to one another. That's what Paul's saying here. Let's be good to one another. Stop the fighting. Stop the, the, what we call infighting. Let, let's stop it. Be good to one another. Verse 11. See what large letters I use to use as I write to you with my own hand. So Paul, a lot of times, had someone else write down what he would dictate to them. What, what's the reason for this? Well, I believe the thorn in the flesh that Paul talks about in another, another letter that he wrote, I can't remember which one, uh, I believe he was losing his eyesight. As we can see here, see what large letters I use as I write to you. Paul, on the road to Damascus, the Holy Spirit, or God, or Jesus, came down, met Paul, struck him blind for a time. A bright light struck Paul blind. And Jesus says to Paul, at the time, Saul, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Because Saul or Paul, same person, just God changed his name, was persecuting the church. And so Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? And so Paul was blind for a time. And I believe that continued to affect him through his life. Verse 12, those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. All right, so this verse, man, I don't even know if I want to say what I want to say. Those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. They want to make a good impression. They, they want you to be circumcised is what Paul is saying here. These, the, the church at Galatians, many of them are Gentiles. They're not Jews, so they're not circumcised. But the Judaizers have come in and they want to, it's a, the Judaizers are like this radical group of Jewish Christians who are telling the Gentiles that they need to be, they must be circumcised to be a Christian. And that's just not the case. Paul says earlier on in Galatians, you don't need to do that. They want, they're trying to compel these people just because of the looks, just because of the looks of it, just because they will it will show that these guys have have all the power those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised the only reason and this is the main part here the only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ the only reason they're trying to force others to be circumcised is because they don't want to be they don't want to be persecuted they don't want to be persecuted and i see that today i've been reading a lot about the early anabaptist uh martyrs and forefathers anabaptism is anabaptist means rebaptizer and so the Anabaptists split from the Catholic Church because Catholics and, and early Reformers believed 
believed in baptizing babies. Anabaptists do not believe that. They believe that to be born again, you have to have faith along with your baptism for it to mean anything. And so they they were persecuted. The early Anabaptists were heavily persecuted. Many of them were bound hand and foot and drowned in rivers. Many of them were burned at the stake simply because they split away from the Catholic Church and were teaching that in order for baptism to have any meaning at all, it had to be had to be done in faith. So if you baptize a baby, a baby cannot have faith in Jesus Christ because they don't understand Jesus Christ. Babies don't understand anything. They have to be taught. And so that's what these early Anabaptists were teaching. And because of that, they were persecuted heavily. And there were some people who did not convert to Anabaptism while they believed it was true, they didn't convert to it because they didn't want to be persecuted. They weren't willing to give up their life for the, for the cause of the Christ. What am I saying here? For the, <laughs> I'm sorry, for the cross of Christ. They were not willing to be persecuted. And I see a lot of people doing this even in our own political system today. Even, even outside of the Bible, people are, are not, they'll vote Republican. All right. So I know a lot of Republican people and they vote with everybody else. And the running theme through the Republican Party is that Republicans are staying home. They're not voting. They're not getting out to the polls. And that's nonsense. That's absolute nonsense. Republicans are the ones who actually do go to the polls and vote. The problem is, is that the Democrat Party has done a really good job over the last several elections to get people out to the polls. And there's more Democrat people than there are Republican people. That's just the way our world is going. But people in the Republican Party, and I know this is awful to be doing on a Bible faith podcast, but this is just a comparison. But Republican people are getting after their conservative friends saying, you didn't go to the polls and vote. You didn't go vote. You didn't vote this way. You didn't vote that way. No wonder all this stuff. That's the case. That's not the case. But you're, you're after anyone you can blame because you're just frustrated with the way the world is going. And I get that. I'm frustrated with the way the world is going too. But it's obvious to me and to many others that voting isn't doing anything. Voting doesn't do anything. And so I see that as a correlation with what's going on here. 
The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. The only reason people are blaming other conservatives is so that they're not they're not being persecuted. All um, political arguments, persecution. I wouldn't do that, but it's a correlation. I'm just trying to share a, a parallel here. Okay, I, I love. I love all my conservative friends. Now, I have this year, last year, I really debated on whether I wanted to vote or not. I just, I, I'm so disheartened with our political system. And this year, I've made a, a hard line in the sand. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to vote. And that's hard for me because I've voted since I was 18 years old. But what happens to me when I vote is I get invested and then I waste all my time listening to the political talk shows on the radio around election time. And I get really mad and I get frustrated and angry and I get upset and I get, I get mad at the left because they're trying to impose all these things. And, and, and then I get, I get mad at the right because they're doing funny things over here. And I'm just not, I'm not going to play that game anymore. I believe real change, real change comes from person to person contact in our nation. I don't believe that you can vote for any one person today to change anything. I don't believe it will happen. In fact, I know it won't happen. Because it's a political system. It's not a faith system. We need to be sharing our faith. We need to be talking about our faith. We need to be talking about principles, our faith principles, not about political principles. Because political principles do nothing but divide. It's all for show. It's all for looks. Because when you boil it down, to its baseline, both major parties in the United States are a bird of the same feather. They want the exact same thing. When you boil it down to its base, it, its base um, um, desire, and that is power and influence and money. That's it. They don't want change. They don't want to change anything. They want power, influence, and money. And that's what these Judaizers want as well. Be, why, why do I say that that's what they want? Because that's the human condition. That is the human condition. We all want power, influence, and money. Every single human. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're the poorest of the poor or the richest of the rich. You, at your base, at your core, your sinful nature wants power, influence, and money. And so that's what they're doing here. That's what these Judaizers, these circumcision party, that is what they want to do here. They want power, influence, and money. Now, in this case, they're looking more for power and influence, but they also do want money. 
That's what they're doing here. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. That's the only reason we don't go and talk to our friends about our faith. We would rather go talk to them about politics, which divide, instead of talking about faith, which brings together. Is because we don't want to be persecuted. We don't want to be looked down on because we're a Christian. And maybe maybe our friend isn't. Maybe, maybe they don't know Christ. That's the only reason we're not going out there sharing our faith. Because we don't want to be persecuted. We've got to stop. We've got to stop this. So instead of going to your neighbor and talking politics, go to your neighbor and talk Christ. That's how we change our nation. That's how we change our political system. It has nothing to do with politics. It has everything to do with the sinful human condition. If we go and we preach Christ, things will change. If we go and preach politics, nothing will change. The divide becomes deeper and we become separated. But when we go and we preach Christ and him crucified, that brings people together. Can it divide? Sure. Sure. The cross of Christ is offensive to those who are, aren't believing. But the Holy Spirit can work in those people's lives. When you share the cross of Christ, the Holy Spirit does not work when you share politics. Well, I think you're a scumbag because you, you, you voted for someone that supports abortion. You're an absolute scumbag. Does that bring us together or does that divide? Jesus Christ came to this earth as a baby walked and lived a sinless life. He took that sinless nature all the way to the cross. There he was crucified. And on him was laid the sins of all who would believe. Of all all people who would believe. He bore the weight of your sin and mine on the cross, and there he died. He was buried, and three days later, he rose again from the grave, conquering sin and death, wiping the slate clean for all who would believe in Jesus Christ upon him. So that we might have everlasting life. Do you think that story divides or do you think that unites? You're a scumbag for believing in abortion, for voting for someone who, who, who supports abortion. Or Jesus Christ came as a baby, died on the cross, rose again from the dead three days later, conquering sin and death. Which one do you think is going to divide and which one do you think is going to bring us together? I think it's the cross. The Bible would say it's the cross. All right, let's keep going. I've been on that one long enough. 
Verse 13, not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. These guys, they want you to be circumcised so that they can boast, hey, I got this guy to be circumcised. Look at that. He is a Jew among Jews. He is a, he's a Christian now and he's circumcised. I got him to do that. That's power, that's influence. Paul says there is no need to do that. Verse 14, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. May I never boast except in the cross of the, cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, I don't care if you get circumcised. God doesn't care if you're circumcised. May I never boast in the flesh. The only time I want to boast is in the cross of Jesus Christ. Through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I'm crucified to the world. Verse 15. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Let's read that a little different way here. It means anything. What counts is a new creation. The political parties divide. The cross of Christ creates a new creation. Verse 16. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule even to the Israel of God. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule. If you follow this rule, you will have peace. You will have mercy. Finally, verse 17, Finally, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. What is Paul saying here? Paul is saying here that he has been beat up for the cause of Christ. He was boiled in vats of oil. He was shipwrecked three times and survived. He was beaten with rods many times. He was put in prison many times. Most of his adult life he spent in prison. Let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Paul was blessed to be able to suffer with Jesus. Verse 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. And there he ends. Guys, the biggest thing that I took away from this was the circumcision party back here in the old te- in the in the New Testament in Paul's day and and the cross party is what I want to call them. And how that compares to Democrat and Republican and the cross.
what 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 party you are you a part of? Are you a part of the Democrat and Republican parties? Are you a part of the cross party? More than ever before in my entire life, do I feel that the governments of this world don't matter. They don't matter. There's only one kingdom. If I am a believer in Jesus Christ, I have one kingdom that I am a member of. One kingdom. That's the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a democracy. It is a dictatorship. But he's a good dictator. He's our Lord Jesus Christ. It's him we should serve. I'm not saying don't vote. I'm not saying don't participate in the in the political things that we have here in our country. If that's something that you feel in your in your spirit that you want to do, that you need to do, go ahead and do that. Prayerfully. Go ahead and do that. But don't think for one second that any one person that you vote for will ever in any way, any shape, any form transform a single person's life the way the cross of Jesus Christ can transform a person. Politics will not change our country. It is only the cross of Jesus Christ that will change this country. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the next Faith Friday episode.